Sunday, we celebrate a God who is so, so good. Can we praise God in this place once more for his goodness? Praise him on this day, on this special Sunday, um, because God has truly blessed each and every one of us. And I want to stand and honor all of our fathers who are here. God has blessed the family with fathers and fathers. Just wave back at me if you're in here. I just, just want to thank God for you, those who are listening online. Happy Father's Day. Well, I said it because I was hoping somebody would... Oh, th th thank you, Grant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, happy Father's Day. This is a wonderful Sunday to celebrate the gift of fatherhood. And of course, as we gather on this Sunday morning, we celebrate our Heavenly Father who is always good to each and every one of us. And we're going to be searching in God's word for those epic stories, those incredible moves of God. And today we're going to be looking, our message for the morning is coming from 1 Kings, beginning at chapter 17. Now, as you're making your way there, I do want to give special note um, for you to update your calendars because on August 15th, our service times will change. One of the goals that we have set for this coming fall is that all of our campuses will share the same service times. And so our service time will shift uh, to 930 being our chapel worship and 1045 being our worship center worship. And so our time here will move to 1045. Uh, for those of you who like to wake up early, uh, but just a little later than 8 o'clock, uh, 9.30 will be our chapel worship. Looking forward to seeing you in the fall as you update your calendars to reflect the same. And again, we're doing that so that every Champion Forest campus will have the same start times. I hope you're making your way in the Word of God because I, I'm confident that God has a message for each and every one of us. And I trust that as you open your heart to the Word of God, you will hear the Spirit of God speaking to you. Because God cares so much about you, he wouldn't gather you in this space and not have a word for you. Amen. So I invite your attention to 1 Kings. 1 Kings beginning at chapter 17 and verse 1. We're going to look at how God used a special man, a man named Elijah. But I must forewarn you that anytime you come to the word of God, the word of God is only about one, one person, one character, that is God. God is the central figure in the text, and he gains all of our attention, garners all of our attention as we look at how God uses individuals in the Bible. And it's my hope that you'll be encouraged that as you examine how God used Elijah, you will understand how God can use you. First Kings 17 chapter, verse 1. God's word says, Now Elisha the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So Elisha went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Kareth that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, then bread and meat in the evening. 
he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Read verse 1 again. Now Elisha the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Pray with me, Father, as we gather to hear from you. We ask that you would speak to us. That we might hear clearly, grow in our faith, live lives that honor you. For your glory is our prayer. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. This is an interesting scene and setting for the nation of Israel. Because the context of the text that we just read was one in such where the nation was in turmoil. Israel now had divided into uh, two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom being made up of ten tribes, and the southern kingdom, the tribe of Judah. And there came to power a king by the name of Ahab. Ahab was not a godly king. He did not follow the commandments of the Lord. No, Ahab wanted to live by his own rules and his own way. In fact, there may be some Ahabs in here, but I trust that God will speak to you to understand that his way is a better way. And so Ahab, the king of Judah, wanted to live his own way because he was, uh, as he was leading this nation, he was influenced by his wife. You may know his wife. Those of you uh, who've studied a little while and been around uh, the Bible for a while, you know that his wife's name was Jezebel. She was a Seraphonician princess, and when they got married, Fred, she brought her Seraphonician ways to Israel. Uh, her Seraphonician ways was one that she was uh, polytheistic in her belief. She uh, believed in many gods, idol gods, and particularly in the gods Baal. And she brings this influence into the godly nation of Judah and the people of God. Get this, turn their attention away from God and godliness to ungodliness and idolatry. They got distracted. They became dissuaded. Um, and God, in his love for his people, did what was necessary to turn their attention back to him. And before you become too judgmental of the people of Judah, examine your life for a moment and you'll realize that there's been points and places in your own life where you've gotten distracted from God. Can we be honest in here? One thing I love about JV, we're real people serving a real God. Uh, and the reality is that sometimes if you're not careful, you too can be dissuaded by what you see in the community and our social context. As a result of it, it might take your attention away from God. But one thing I love about the Word of God is that the Word of God reminds the people of God of what God is willing to do so that you will know that he's still in control. I just want you to understand this. I hope you got it already. And that is God is always in control. In fact, God is never out of control. God, uh, when we grew up, said he has the whole world in his hands. 
And nothing happens apart from the will and purpose of God. So when we look in the word of God, I want you to be encouraged to understand that when we call upon him, when we really believe in him, when we choose to believe in him, God will answer. We see Elisha. And on this Father's Day, we see we're introduced to a man of unknown lineage. We're introduced to a man who up until chapter 17, we have no biblical record or account of Elijah. The Bible only tells us that Elijah is from a place called Tishba. He's a Tishbite. And scholars debate as to where this place even existed. Most agree that it had to be some small, unknown, backwoods, small country town. Let me check for a moment. Anybody grew up in a spot like that? Uh, coming from an unknown place. I see. I'm glad to know I'm not by myself in this thing. Uh, this, this, he came, Michael, from, from a backwoods country. Unknown. Unknown name. Unknown legacy. Unknown lineage. His spiritual resume starts in chapter 17. And all we know is that he's a man from an unknown town called Tishba. That's encouraging for me. I, I, hope, I hope you already see it. That, that's encouraging for me because here's the reality. He's a man from an unknown town who's known by God. I'm just trying to help somebody in here just for a moment. Fathers, if you're hearing me, that there are times in which we may discredit ourselves, think that we don't, um, are, we're not qualified to be where God has assigned us to be. But let me help you understand something, brothers. Let me help you understand something, servants of God, believers in the Bible, the believers in God. Let me help you understand something, that God is so much God, that God is able to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He, he's, he's so much God that he is able. So God calls Elisha. Maybe I'm the only one excited about the fact that God calls Elijah. Let me pause for a moment, Pastor George, because it's important for us to get this, that God calls an ordinary man. I love the way James describes him in James chapter 5, verse 17, where James writes, uh, Elisha was a man with a nature like ours. He was an ordinary man. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Let me check. Any ordinary people in here? Any people that say, you know what, I didn't come with a spiritual resume. I didn't have all the background that everybody else had, but I've been living long enough to know that God can put me in places that my resume won't qualify me for. God can do some amazing things, and when you place your trust in him, you can believe that God can do the extraordinary through ordinary people. Okay, this is all right. I brought my own witnesses. I can ask Moses. Moses can tell you that he grew up at a time where there was destruction all around him, and yet God protected him down the Nile, put him in the palace, and even though he was a murderer, who was running um, away from his history, God chose to use him to deliver his own people. God can use some ordinary people. I got Moses, but let me go ahead and holler at Gideon. Gideon says, I grew up in the smallest tribe of tribes, and yet God chose to use me. Okay, you don't know Gideon? Let me pause for a moment and call David. David's own daddy, Jesse, didn't even recognize him, but when God, did, when they counted him out, God still counted on him, and he used David to go to the palace to lead a nation. Come here, saints of God. Let me just help you understand 
understand something. You can never count God out because God never counts you out. God can still use you. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your age or your stage. God is so much God that when you humble yourself, he can use you. And I just came here to encourage you. Because there's so much in the world that tries to discourage you, try to discourage fathers, try to discourage uh, the, 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 those who are under, underprivileged and those who are, are marginalized, try to discourage people each and every day. But when you're the people of God, you serve a God who's able to do exceedingly, I'm in the Bible, abundantly, wander above, you can, whatever you can ask or even think, don't discount God because God can still use you. He uses Elijah. He uses Elijah because Elijah was a humble man before God. And you, Elijah is an ordinary man, which makes you a perfect candidate for God to use you. Uh, and God wants to use you. And when God chooses to use you, you have to be willing to trust him. I really want you to hear this. Because God will have an assignment on your life. Uh, God, by virtue of you being here, God has an assignment for your life. God has a purpose for your living. And in order to discover the purpose that God has for your existence, you have to be willing to trust God. To trust God even when the will of God doesn't necessarily make sense to you. I'm in the Word. You ever been there before? With God, you feel the sense, the spirit of God telling you to do something, and you're like, God, I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, can, can we talk to some real people here? Uh, God speaks to, Ahab, speaks to Elijah, and he tells Elijah, who comes from Tishba, to go to the king. Go to the king with a message that God says it's not going to rain. Can you say some amazing things for a moment? This unknown guy who's used by God goes before royalty who thinks they're in charge and he tells the man who thinks he's in charge that God alone is in charge. How can you have that kind of confidence? How can he have that kind of faith? How can he have that kind of courage to stand in the face of society and the pressures and the powers that be and say that my God is more powerful than any power you think you have? Come here, I can tell you, because in his relationship with God, he learned to have confidence in God. And saints of God, one of the ways we can have confidence in God is that when we come shining to the word of God, we don't just read the word of God as though they're just biblical narratives, but we read the word of God to understand that the same God who moved in Elisha's time is the same God who moves in this time. God said it this way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. If he did it before, somebody already know it here. If he did it before, he can do it Again, if God used Elijah, God can use you. And there he is. He's standing before Ahab, and he has his assignment to tell Ahab that God says it's not going to rain. One, I want you to understand on this day is that, that God uses humble people. God uses humble people to accomplish his holy purpose. But there are times when God's purpose will put you face to face with problems that you yourself didn't even predict. I'm right there in the text. Because right there in verse 17, Juan, it says that God, after he delivers the message from Elisha to Ahab, God then tells Elisha 
to leave from where he is and go to the brook. Anthony, we don't always see it like that. Let me catch you for a moment here. That, that he's telling Elijah to leave from the suburbs and go into the woods. Leave the H-E-B, leave uh, the Walmarts, leave, leave the Kmart and Target, leave all the restaurants that y'all going to take all your fathers to today. Leave, leave, leave all... I'm supposed to nod right about that. Uh, leave, leave that affluent area and go into the woods. Hold on. Go to the brook and I'm going to feed you, God says. I'm going to provide for you through some ravens. You're not with me just yet here. That's like God telling you to leave from your conveniences and go into a place and he's going to feed you by the pigeons. No, no by the crows. No, he's going to take some dirty birds that Levitical uh, law says are unclean. And God says, I'm going to use what people think cannot be, be used to bless you. That, that's a word right there. I had some time with it. Uh, he, he says, I'm going to feed you by the ravens. Verse 5, it says, and Elisha did according to the word of God. You want to have uh, confidence in God to face the challenges that are before you as you follow the will of God? Here it is. Do what the word of God says for you to do. Even if it doesn't make sense, do what God has assigned for you to do. Even if you don't have history in doing it, if God called you to it, do you're not with me just yet. Let me, let, me, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. I, I was there. I can only tell my own story. You can have your own story. But I, but I was there. Seth, I was there. It was February 13, 2002. I remember it like it was just the other day. Uh, February 13, 2002. I was there um, in Turo Infirmary Hospital. I, I, I was there and, um, and, and, and something came into my life that we had been praying for uh, a child. I don't know where he is right now. He's, he's, where is he? Go, go find him. All right, here it is. Uh-uh. So my son is born, and he's born, uh, and there we are in the hospital, and I'm, and I'm looking at him. He's this, this beautiful, uh, tiny, little being, and I'm checking him out, and it was wonderful, Dr. Al, because as long as we were in the hospital, uh, if anything went wrong, all I do is press a button. Press a button, the nurse came in. The press button, um, they, they, and guess what? If he cried too much, all I had to do was just... And they would take him and bring him to the nursery. And every now and then they'd come and check on with mama. Uh, do you want to feed him now? And if she didn't feel like feeding him, she said, no, I'll wait a little longer. Uh, they'll take care of it over there. But then two days later, <laughs> something happened. Two days later, they asked me some peculiar questions. Um, Craig, they asked me, uh, do you have a car seat? I said, yeah, I got a car seat. Uh, they checked out to make sure I had the car seat. Then they gave me a bag and they said, okay, God bless you. See you next year. I got home and I looked at this thing and I realized I no longer had a button. I didn't have anybody I could call on. And, and, and then here it was, I'm looking all around. I checked out his body. I looked all around and no instructions were written nowhere on how, how do, you ain't feeling my pain just yet. The only way we knew the diapers were wrong is when they would start leaking. I'm just trying to help you understand something. We, uh, we were trying to figure this thing out, but God had assigned us to be parents. He assigned me to be a father, and here I am trying to figure out how is it I can do what God has called me to do, even though I have no history in doing it. And God reminded me that there's some people in my life who have history in this thing. So guess what I did? I began to call grandmama. I called uh, the grandmother. Hey, how do you do this, and how do you do that? Why? Because God gave me an assignment, and with the assignment, get this, he gave me the provisions to fulfill the assignment. 
come here, come here, come here. God has an assignment on your life. You're living this life. God has an assignment on your life. Fathers, God has an assignment on your life. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say it was going to come out the way you think it's going to come out. Trust me, I've been parenting for a little while now. It, it don't come out the way, the way you think it all is going to come out. But the reality is, is that God will give you the provisions to fulfill the assignment that he's called you to. God called you to assignment on your job. God called you to an assignment in your workplace. God called you to assignment here at the church. And God... God is able to give you what you need to fulfill the assignment. What did God do? He fed him bread and meat in the morning and the evening by birds. And he gave him water by a brook. And if we had time, we'd work there because the Bible says in chapter 17 that a time came when the brook, you heard it, right? It, it dried up. And let me park for a moment. What do you do when the brook dries up? What do you do when, when what you've been, been expecting God to do and that God was doing, but now you're watching it as it depletes and it depletes and you're looking, what's next? What do you do, Pastor George, when what you expected from God seemed to be running out and it looks like God is not fulfilling what he was doing before? Have you ever been there before? You remember, have you ever been there where you had a place in life where everything was going good, but then all of a sudden something happens and you're starting to be discouraged by what you see because what you see is not what you expected to see? Don't look at your spouse right now. This is not. The brook dries up. <sighs> what does Elijah do? Elijah goes to the person, to the God, rather, who supplied the brook in the first place. I'm trying to help you understand something. I don't know what challenges you have in this life. I do know that life comes with challenges. And with every assignment God gives us, there will be obstacles. But God will always give you the provisions to meet what you need to do the assignment. That God has an assignment, had an assignment for Elijah. God provided for Elijah. And so it doesn't rain. God sends Elijah to Ahab with the message. It is not going to rain. Elijah is humble enough to be used by God. He understands the providence of God. It's right there to confront the troubles that he faces. And God sends him now back to Ahab. We're in chapter 18 now. Chapter 18, particularly at verse, beginning at verse 17. I really want you to see this. Yes. Chapter 18, verse 17. Look what the Bible says. When Ahab saw Elisha, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have. You and your father's house. Because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eats at Jezebel's table. Let me park for a moment. Anytime you find yourself in a place that God has assigned you and you're walking in the provisions that God has given you, everybody will not agree with what God is calling you to do. I'm right there in the text. Notice how Elisha is doing the will of God, and he gets the name of a troublemaker. I don't know if you've ever been there before. You're just trying to do what God has called you to do, and people come against you even when you're trying to help them. You ever had that before, where you're trying to be a blessing to people, and the very people you're trying to be a blessing to, you are the very people that stab you. And I'm talking to the wrong people. 
uh, that, that stab you in the back, and yet God keeps sending you to be a blessing to those people? Let me help you understand something. Everybody will not like what you do when God calls you to do what God has called you to do, but guess what? You're not here to please everybody. You're just here to please God. And as long as you're here to please God, I've learned something. When you stand for God, God will. He'll stand for you. He'll be right there with you. You, I got to hurry on here. So he comes to Elisha. Elisha calls him a troublemaker. He comes to Ahab, rather, and Ahab calls Elisha a troublemaker. And Elisha says, you know what? It's just me against all of y'all. Ah, and so, verse 20, so Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elisha came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between Two different opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Let's park here for a moment. Because even when you are indecisive, God is still calling you to make a decision. Every moment, every choice you have in life calls you to make a decision. Here's a decision. Will you trust God or not? Will you believe God or not? And, and there's something in your life right now where God is challenging you to make that decision today. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust God with that problem? Are you going to trust God with that obstacle? Are you going to trust God with that child? Are you going to trust God with your finances? Are you going to trust God with your life? Or are you going to try to do it your own way? Elisha stands before Ahab and all the people of Israel and ask the question, how long will you keep wavering? On Sunday, you're committed to God. But on Monday, you're worrying about whether or not God's going to come through. On Tuesday, you're committed to God. But on Wednesday, you're wondering whether or not the wickedness are gonna, is going to overtake you. Hear me, saints of God. If you're on the Lord's side, then be on the Lord's side. Oh, hold on now. That means you do it God's way, the way God says to do it. But if you're going to be on the Lord's side, be on the Lord's side. So Elisha tells the people. It's time for you to make the decision. They don't, they don't answer. They don't answer a word. Verse 22. Then Elisha says to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us. And let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I, Elijah says, will prepare the other bull and lay it on wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Ah, so Elijah tells them to call on your God. And so they call on this false God. They look for false means to meet their need. They, mm, hope you get this. They, they, they look for what the world provides to provide for them. They're so confident in what has never delivered that they keep trying to do the same thing expecting a different response. 
I'm talking to somebody up in here. I know I, know I am here. Because sometimes in this world, we, we, we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different response, expecting people to do in your life what only God can do. But when you turn your attention and your affection to God, you realize that God will meet the need. God will satisfy. God will deliver. God will show up. And here's the text. They call upon Baal. They call upon this false god all day till noon. They're calling upon this false false God. They're, claim, they're crying out in verse 20, 26, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elisha began to say, hey, y'all, cry aloud. Cry, cry a little louder. He, he, can't, he can't hear you. Either he is musing. Maybe he went to the bathroom. Maybe he's relieving himself. Uh, it's right there in your Bible. I tell you, you should, you should read the Word of God. Uh, and he said, well, maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and he must be awakened. Verse 28, and they cried aloud, cutting themselves after their custom with swords and lances until blood was gushing out. Get this, they're hurting themselves to hear from a false god. And y'all, you know, we read this, but sometimes we don't read what we really read when we read it because some of us in here, the truth is, we're in that same position. We keep hurting ourselves trying to get other people as our false gods to meet needs that only God can meet. They're hurting themselves because they're trying to get attention from something that someone who cannot give the attention that only God can give. I don't know where you are, but I do know that God sent you here on this morning to hear this word. There's a need, a deep need that you have that only God can fill. All right, so let's end this story because we have to celebrate God's love here in just a moment. And so what happens then is that Elijah, verse 30 calls them closer to him. And he says, come near to me. And all the people came near and he repaired the altar of the Lord. Get this, because some things have to be put back in order if you want God to show up. There's some things in our lives that have to be put back in order. God has to be in his proper place in order for God to show up. And Elijah took the 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built the altar in the name of the Lord. Get this. He digs a trench around the altar. And if that's not enough, he tells them, hey, you know what? Let me show you how much God I got. Pour some water on it. And they pour water. He said, no, no, that's not enough. Pour some water on it again. That's not enough. Pour some more water on it. Get this. He sets up an impossible scenario. For man. Uh, but what's impossible for man is always possible for God. In fact, impossibility is where God starts. And I don't know what's happening in your life, but what I do know is that if you seem like it's impossible for you, the Bible says what's impossible for you is always possible for God. And so what God does, Elisha prays and God responds. Elisha prays and God responds because God answers prayers according to his will and his purpose. Elijah prays and fire falls, consumes the altar, licks up the water, and it's unmistakable that God did that, that God moved. And on this Sunday, I want, I want you to have that kind of experience, that you can say on this Sunday, it's unmistakable that God moved in your life. 
stand all over the building if you can, because reality is this. It was in 2019, May 2019, we were in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, and there we were meeting with an unreached people group, the Maasai. And I was blessed to be able to preach there with missionaries who were with me. And, and Maasai tribe leader said, if your God is real, it hadn't rained here and our cattle is dying. If your God is who you say he is, then pray to your God that it'll rain. I want to show you the picture because we stood there in a circle and we prayed. And as we prayed, that's what formed in the air. And before the day is over, there was a rainbow that met us where we were going. And that chief, chief said, your God answered by rain. I want to serve your God. Amen. I'm telling you this. Because, y'all, God's power is real. And he wants his power to be realized in your life. So that when you pray to him, pray believing. And I guarantee you that the same God who responded to Elijah is the same God who can respond to you when you place your faith and your trust in him. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.